Hello, and welcome back to Madness in the Method, the podcast where we talk about Nicolas Cage and all the movies he's made. Uh, sometimes I feel like we could talk about something else, but we don't. We talk about Nicolas Cage. <laughs> my name is Tobias, and with me, as always, is my friend and trusted co-host, Christopher. Hello, everyone. Hello. And in today's episode of Oh, hey, well, oh, uh, Madness in the Method. I almost forgot the name. <laughs> We're talking about the 2003 crime comedy, I guess? Uh, Matchstick Men. Yeah. Starring Nicolas Cage, of course, but also Sam Rockwell and Alison Lohman. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We don't usually talk about. <laughs> I was. I, I was. I was. Uh, yeah, we're, we're recording on a different day, so I'm a little thrown off, like I, like I told you oh, before we started here. I'm a little thrown off. But we... Uh, had you... Had, it's about... it's about two, I don't know if I'm going to talk about the plot or if we're just going to go right into our... Have opinion. you seen it before? Ah, yes. Uh, no. I mean, I yeah. have not seen it before. Yeah. Me neither. And <laughs> what did you think of it uh, going into it? What was your expectations? I didn't, I didn't really have any expectations other than... I'd heard people talk about it like years and years ago saying like, oh, that's good. And then yeah. I found out last week that it's directed by uh, Ridley Scott. I was like, oh. And it was Ridley Scott before he got senile. So mm. he was still making good movies. So I was, <laughs> um, I had I had my hopes up that it would be a, uh, at least a decent movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's sort of same for me. I... <sighs> I've seen the poster. That's about it. And yeah. It's a really boring poster. Uh, yeah. Doesn't doesn't say anything about the movie. No. Uh, so I always thought it was just a kind of a. I thought this was one of his later on movies in in the oh. bad bad movie era. Really. Uh, because it's the the title is Matchstick Men. It's it has boring. Uh, poster and just it doesn't look interesting um but i didn't know know what it was about at all so mm. uh, so i went into this uh i did yeah last week we briefly talked about it about ridley scott and so on mm. and i i also then saw that sam rockwell is in it and i sam rockwell love that guy yeah he, he's sort of the same as nicholas cage in a way and he always gives it his all Yes, uh, he's, even, he's even very, if it's very professional. Not a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was, I was, uh, I didn't expect much, but I expected something. Um, and and uh, so now, when you've seen it, uh, what do you think? Um, I really enjoyed the first two acts of it. Okay. Yeah, and then I thought the third act was just like what. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 just it just pivots and becomes a very well not really a different movie but you know it gets strange towards the end yeah and i'm not sure i appreciated that so yeah the movie's sort of about these two guys nicholas cage and sam rockwell uh nicholas cage has a lot of like weird ocds and weird quirks about him yeah he's and, very very ocd yeah and sam rockwell is this uh Sort of laid back, slacker kind of guy. Yeah, one is very tidy, one is very sloppy. It's almost like they're yeah. an odd couple or something. <laughs> mm. uh, and they sort of make a living of conning people. Um, yeah, 
in in different weird ways. Uh, it's not any. Um, it, it's very minor conning. Yeah, uh, it's you know it, it's it's a lot of like mail fraud and you know like basically scamming people out of a few hundred bucks, but yeah, it, but it's, a, it's, a couple of times each day basically. Yeah, it's not the cool con artist that we usually see in movies. No, it's no. a lot of a lot of down to earth, just quick buck in and out, um, yeah. kind of thing. And uh, I enjoyed that um, that it's not this high stakes heist movie. It's just uh yeah, these just guys. The bad guys doing small crimes, sort of. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Nicholas Cage's character, he's called uh, Roy. Yeah. Yeah, Roy. He, uh, his, it's sort of his. He has a medicine for his quirks and OCDs, and he runs out, and he needs to go to to a um, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist to to get more, and the psychiatrist sort of. Makes him get in contact with his long lost daughter that he didn't have in a sort of roundabout way. Yeah. Uh, and it's just this. So I was thinking this movie was very scattered. We had like three plot lines of uh, the, the con artists, and then we have this uh, sort of wholesome getting to know you with your, your long lost daughter thing. Mm. And then also we have this therapist part that is him trying to get better in a way um, yeah. and, and more of getting to the bottom of his uh, affliction and I, I thought it was very scary because I didn't feel that like any of these plot threads uh, had anything to do with each other uh, well and, that's yeah they, yeah they don't in the first two acts and then it's yeah. just like everything just comes together in the end but not in a very satisfying way I think no exactly that's sort of the, the problem but at the end you just oh okay it all made sense it all had a part to play and it's all of this bigger story that we didn't see it's sort of this movie is sort of if you see any um, heist movies yeah from around Ocean's Eleven type uh, we have this trope I don't know what the trope is but this trope of aha it's not the, the, what you thought it was because uh, we didn't yeah, show you it's like, all it's, movie it's like a, like a, like a double heist or a, like a, a, a switcheroo yeah it's this, you thought about this but it was actually this yeah uh, and, and it, this movie did that but uh, well spoilers from here on I guess yeah uh, I guess whatever uh, but in this movie the main character is the one who is conned. <laughs> yeah, which is which is refreshing, but also weird. And it's and, and it, com- it end, comes so late in the movie, so you don't have time to digest it at all. It's just like, oh, they they fucked him over. That's not a that's not fun. Yeah, and that's sort of it's this bittersweet ending of he got conned. Yeah, <laughs> out of everything. There's, yeah, there's no like revenge or getting back or, or anything. It's just, ah, oh, I got conned. Yeah. Well, let's get on with my life, sort of. Yeah. And, and they 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 do set that up earlier in the movie that, you know, the... Because the, everyone was in on it. Like, the psychiatrist who made him contact his... his uh, supposed daughter was in on the was in on the con. His mm. daughter was not his daughter. It was an actress, basically another con person. No. Um, and they were all. Uh, I think even the um, 
the guy that they that they are conning in the movie, the big con they're doing. Yeah. Um, I think he's in on it as well. Uh, yeah. And they're they're all working with Sam Rockwell to con Nicolas Cage's character out of his savings because he has like like a couple of hundred thousand dollars saved on di- in different different places mm. uh, in his house and in his bank and everything. So they basically just want his money. It turns out, and they created this this huge ruse, which like. Yeah, kudos for a very elaborate con, but it's no fun when it's happening to the protagonist. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it's interesting, it's original, but it's very dissatisfying. Yeah, and like I said, it happens like literally in the last fifteen minutes. He mm. he he figures it out, run, running around uh, when he comes out of the hosp- the the fake hospital room they put him in. Yeah. Um. And he he figures out that ah oh shit he he gave up his his bank account and he showed his his fake daughter where all the money was. And there's nothing left, and he gets like a a letter from um um uh, what's his name Sam Rockwell's character Sam Rockwell's uh, character Frank yes. Frank yeah, and they're like sorry but you know we're con men so what did you expect <laughs> basically? And then just fast forward a year, he's working in a carpet store, um. And, and uh, as like a, a manager or sales guy or whatever, and the fake daughter walks in and they have like an awkward conversation. He's like, "No, I'm fine with it." Because earlier in the movie, when he was talking to the fake psychiatrist, um, they were actually kind of figuring out that the the reason for why he is so so manic and has all these uh, uh, compulsions is probably because he is feeling uh, like guilty over. Uh, committing these crimes against against people who don't deserve it because they, they yeah. talk about that. That's why he's so nervous all the time. It's it's mostly in his head, so to speak. I mean, yeah, and I think that's that one, thing, that, that's a, a real clever. There's a lot of clever things in this movie. Sure, like, yeah, that's a clever thing. That's that he's he's very yeah OCD because most of his OCDs is about things like he he's uh very OCD about clean or being clean. Like he feels dirty. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing of opening and closing doors that, the, like, the, sort of you can read in, like, don't look back or just... Yeah, uh, or even make sure that everything everything wor- is working the way it should. Otherwise, everything mm. is going to fall apart. And if it falls apart, you know, he's going to get caught, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's... So, so a lot of those small, clever things. But I think the biggest flaw of the movie is... Is what makes the movie work is that... It's it's sort of again understated. Everything is a lot very understated. Yeah, um, and and the fact that like literally the the like in the the same time that that it happens, there's no like him getting angry or getting sad or anything. He just fast forwards a year and he's okay with it. Even when he yeah. talks to her, he's like, yeah, I'm actually better off now because I'm not nervous anymore. I don't have OCD anymore because like, but still they, they, they were your friends. She faked being his daughter, which was like a huge emotional thing for him. Um, and he's not angry with her over that. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. I would be fucking furious. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, they had, they, their their relationship was was becoming like good. They were becoming father and daughter, which he was very nervous over uh, at first. But it was like this this one light in his life um, that was 
that made him want to change. And then, just as that is about to happen, she and Frank fucks him over. Like, I would be furious. <laughs> Even a year later, if I saw her, I was like, what the fuck, you know? It's, or at least something. He's just like, eh, whatever. Because she kind of got scammed out of her uh, piece of the pie also, she says. Like, I didn't really get all the money I was supposed to get. So was, mm. Oh, whoa. Too bad for you. I, uh, <laughs> sort, sort of to... Sort of to uh, it, it feels like that's in there just so we should feel a little bit bad for her as well. So, so sort of to dampen the anger towards her <laughs> in that last scene. But uh, Yeah, but it's this thing of... Because he is angry at her when he first meets her. Yeah. When, when he does the... If you pay with cash! All right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he That's is true. angry. Yeah, yeah sure. But, but no. it is sort of... he. I think he's in that moment that he that he has this yeah explosion of anger for, for a split second. But then he sort of goes back to, well, my life is better now. I mean, I sure, I lost everything. But now I've got a girlfriend and I'm clean. I don't have my mental problems anymore and I mean it's it's fine um sort of and I think that's again again they're going against the grain of this kind of story in this kind of movie yeah where we don't get the first of all we don't have the cool con men no we have just con artists who do uh, not that cool things just stuff yeah they're they're low lives yeah, and then, yeah, really low lives, and that's yeah. not not in a cool or fun way. Just no, eh. and and also this thing of there is no cool action scene at the end. There is no uh, revenge plot. It's just well, that's life. And I and this I'm I'm fine works. with that. It's just like you know, there's, there's some sort of resolution other than eh, yeah, eh, you know. Yeah, I, I would have liked. They needed the, the, the con to happen earlier so there could be some time for him to, like, uh, accept his fate, basically. Because here it's just like, oh, no, what the hell happened? Fast forward one year, and he's fine. Uh, I mean, something. I, I would have liked, I wouldn't say it would fix the movie or make it better, but I would have liked to just see him at the end in the store. He just reading the newspaper, flipping it over, and see Frank getting caught. Just yeah, a con artist getting caught in Hawaii for trying to embezzling sort of something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and and just a huh, and then, you know that would be enough. You know, yeah, just, just something, just something. Just a, yeah, I would like that. And, and it's and because it's so, such an understated movie, it's also kind of forgettable. Yeah, because not there's, a lot happens other than no him hanging cool, out with his daughter. Yeah, no cool set pieces, no real great monologues or dialogues or nothing really that stands out. But no. again, I, I reiterate, that's sort of the point of the movie. That's that's I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, but you I know, mean, <laughs> going back to our adaptation discussion a little bit, when he's talking to the uh, to the script guy. Like, you know, that okay, so that's just regular life. Yeah, but that's not what you watch movies for. You need to have something that's, you know, uh, outside of, of, of regular life. Otherwise, you could just, you know, go home. Like, mm. you're watching a movie to get some sort of uh, satisfaction out of it. So something needs to happen other than them just going around and talking. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I'd say, one of Nicolas Cage's best performances. Oh yeah, he's great in it. He he's I mean, the big he's the big draw. Like without him, this movie mm. would fi- fall apart. Yeah, and as a, as I said, Sam Rockwell always does a great job. He's he's yeah. always he always gives his all, but he's, he's not he's not in it a lot. No, he's not in it, and he's extremely overshadowed of just Nicolas Cage's great acting in this with yeah. all his weird tics and his weird uh, sounds and his way yeah. of talking and just. The presence he has in this movie is amazing. Oh yeah, he 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 does that uh, that obsessive compulsive uh, thing perfectly. If you if you ever mm. known a person like that, they do those little sounds. He does the mm-hmm, every time he gets ner- yeah. or, like, irritated or nervous, and that's exactly how it's how it's oh, not exactly that sound, but that, those little mm-hmm, just sounds. Mm. It's 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 spot on. It's so good. Um. And I, 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 but I, I, I gotta wonder now because the movie is almost uh, twenty years old. Do you think people would say this is like ableist now? Because they, they, it's kind of you know played for comedic effect when he gets super uh, like obsessive about cleaning and things. Well, like I, like I laugh. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that because they are, even though it is uh, at points played for laughs, it is taking it seriously. It yeah, isn't okay. just. Oh, it's it's not like uh, if this performance was gonna be in another movie, like say a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Then it would have. Then it would have been sort of ableist, sort of weird. Okay. Because uh, cause then it would just be a, a funny thing that happens. But since it is sort of the 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 core of the movie, the movie is about that uh, uh, in okay. a way that 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 he. That he has these issues, and he, uh, and they, also they talk about that there is, uh, there is no, there is no medicine for this. It's just sugar pills because it's all in his head. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. So I, I, I don't think there's, there's any, I don't think it's problematic in a way in, in that regard at least. All right. Um, because it, it is taken ser- taken seriously. Yes. Yes. Um, and. Yeah, we talked about Ridley Scott directing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't really show. No, I mean all. you're you're kind of used to him directing bigger things like action movies or adventure movies. Yeah. Um, and this is like was it? It's mostly just people sitting or walking or talking. And yeah, I I, I can't really, I don't see his hand over any of this like. Like oh that's t- typical Ridley Scott you know no no I mean it it, it could have really been anyone directing this it's not yeah. in any way uh, ugly or bad looking or no oh no any no. of that and I would say it's it's a pretty good looking movie uh, sure but yeah. but it doesn't have any specific style yeah and uh, and I know uh, Ridley Scott has directed other like smaller movies like it's like The Counselor and I guess Thelma and Louise is on a similar mm. level like it's mm. there's no there's no alien ships or, or you know gladiators or Black Hawks Down or whatever you know but um but there you can more tell his style of directing mm. he I, I think he is better at doing bigger movies like that yeah definitely um, yeah so this. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would wonder how different it would be if I, I don't have any specific, but s- some smaller director who's m- more used to doing movies like this. If it would be any different, I don't really think so, because I think Ridley Scott is a he's a skilled enough director to just you know make this as good as it can be. It's just that 
you can't really tell it's a Ridley Scott movie because he's just directing, you know, directing it. Nah. Almost like a director for hire, you know. Even though I don't, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he does that <laughs> even back then. Nah. Uh, an- another thing, um, just complimenting the movie, uh, and it's 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 weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, but because um, I think the daughter was great uh, as a character in the movie. Yeah. It's usually when we have this plot, because it is, it is a, I wouldn't say a tired plot, but we've seen it before. The, the, the old, the middle-aged older man trying to recons, uh, find his long-lost daughter or son and try to build a relationship. Yeah, that's, or, or that's finding out that I have, I have a, I have a son, I have a daughter, and there's this awkward attempt to, you know, yeah, yeah. connect, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen it before. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, I think again, it's kind of weird because that's sort of the point, and it sort of nullifies. But I think it was very refreshing to see a daughter that was not a weird hormonal asshole. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's always in the in this trope. It's always like these weird things where the daughters or son is just in it for the money, or is in it for. Uh, to get back at their their other parent, or and there's a lot of these weird fights and yeah, yeah. And all of those things, and we had like none of that. But it, again, that's because it's not his daughter. Yeah, we we had a little of it, but that was mostly him instigating it. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and and she was very forgiving, and I I was yeah, thinking well, that movie like I thought, oh this is again very refreshing to see this a uh, a sort of working healthy relationship with, of course, problems, but. There's no problems that seems out of place. There wasn't one of those, why can't you just talk with each other? There were no <laughs> weird misunderstandings, and just they just got each other. And I, I thought that was really great. Again, yeah. then at the end, that sort of is undermined by realizing she was playing a character to a, get him. Yeah, but <sighs> you know, I'm just thinking about that now. In in a way, it's you know. Uh, the audience is being conned as well. Mm, yeah, and I don't if that, if I don't know if that's deliberate or not, but like, because we we're in on this, because that's the best part of the movie, I think, the relationship between um, yeah. Alison Lohman and, and Nicolas Cage, and like was it they they're really becoming like father and daughter for real, yeah. and then it's all just uh, yanked away from us. So no. there might be something to that, but it's that, that that doesn't really excuse the fact that it's very anticlimactic. I think. Yeah, and I, I think I think that was sort of a, a wholesome, heartwarming ending of the movie. The where where they both sort of look at each other and think, yeah, we're 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 not actually father daughter, but we can sort of pretend from time to time. Sure, yeah, and and it's it's like. We had a we had a good time, sort of <laughs> pretending. We both did, yeah. uh, and I think that was that was pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, even though, again, it's, just, it's kind of bittersweet uh, and then not satisfying ending, but it was nice. <laughs> yeah, um, and, it, and there's, there's something. Speaking of the unsatisfying ending, uh, that's something that happens a lot in in um, in, in a certain kind of movie, um, a movie that's based on a book that is not. Inherently cinematic, because mm. um, yeah. books, you know, books can be cinematic. You can almost, you can almost see like the scenes in front of you when you're reading it. But books are structured usually very different from a script. You know, they they have a lot more. You know, they're they're a lot more characters usually, and uh, uh, there's like subplots and and uh, you know they can go along flashbacks to explain things. 
which you can't really do in a movie because that would be like a four or five hour movie. Um, so sometimes when they adapt a book, because this was adapted from a book, it feels like they have to kind of you know try to compress a lot of the stories in the book or cut stuff out. Um, and then, and then the ending isn't as impactful as it would be as when you're reading it. Um, there's another, uh, another movie, uh, with, uh, Jason Statham from a few years ago called, like, Parker or something, um, where they really want to sell it as, like, a typical Jason Statham action movie, but it isn't. It feels like, like a collection of, like, three or four shorter, like, crime noir stories that happens to him during this like month that it takes place over and it also just kind of ends you know very anticlimactic because like the premise of the book is good but it's not suitable to be adapted into a movie and i think this is kind of similar that's why the ending feels a little bit anticlimactic yeah i did read a little about the the book um and it seems like the book is it's very much told from uh, Roy's perspective, or okay. from his from his mind, and the way of him looking at the world as he is the genius and everyone is just a mark. He's okay. playing everyone. He he is the he is the 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 mastermind of everything all the time, and that's sort of how the book is portrayed. And if if that's the deal, then I can get the ending is a lot more effective to see. Oh fuck, it was yeah. not that good, and it thought yeah. he was all the time but that doesn't really translate to the movie no uh, he, he doesn't he seems to have respect for most people it's just that he he chooses to to calm them because you know that's the way he makes money yeah and it seems throughout he's the a lot more sympathetic he, yeah and he doesn't he doesn't sound or express himself in a way that that he feels that he's good at it just this is just what I do, yeah. and then Sam Rockwell always says, "Oh, you're the genius. You're the great mm-hmm. guy. You're yeah. just you're the master." Nicholas Cage says, "Yeah, well, I guess." <laughs> ah, if if you're if you say so, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think maybe he should have been a little more um, confident is the wrong word, but more outspoken of how good he is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, maybe yeah, we... co- confident. I mean, he is a confidence man, so it would help if he was confident. Yeah, so I, I think that's that would have made the ending more impactful. I think. Yeah, and also, uh, I, I, I wonder if, if uh, in the book, Alison Lohman and uh, um, God damn it, Frank. Frank. Yeah. What's her name? Rachel. Something. Um, so you just call everyone by their uh, character name. Uh, she is called Angela. Angela. So it's Roy, Angela, and Frank. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like in maybe it isn't, but it feels like in the book we get more, uh, definitely more with Frank because he kind of disappears for a while in the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, and we don't really get to know him as a character other than. Oh, he he is kind of a slob because he has a bunch of hamburger wrappers in his bed. That's yeah. about it, you know. Yeah, um, and at some point in the movie, and in the first act, I was thinking, this guy, this this has to be like, um, unreliable narr- narrator from from Roy's perspective, because no one yeah. can be like this. <laughs> this is just this is this is he doesn't seem like a a real person. No, yeah. If you compare with any other character in the movie. He's so over the top and weird and not caring at all. Uh, I I think it was the point where he 
just enters Roy's house and just spilling, eating a sandwich and yeah. just spilling everywhere. And just, like, even if you're going home to someone who isn't obsessed with compulsive about cleaning, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I would have liked more more between Roy and Frank, and maybe more that Roy sort of that we see that Roy is, in his mind at least, conning Frank or making he's playing Frank. Yeah, of. give us a. The only hint that I got was when uh, the guy that they're conning, you know, the mm. uh, giving him pounds and he's giving them dollars back. Yeah. When he shows up, Frank's uh, Roy's house. And he gets shot by uh, the daughter, and he and he, he he falls down on the floor, and and Frank goes to check on him. He's like, "Oh my god, he's dead, buddy." I was just like, "That's very convenient that he died." That was the only, and I yeah. it just felt like, "What do you mean he just died, and now they're done with him?" That that threw me off. But I I was like, eh, "Maybe it's just you know mm-hmm. bad acting or whatever." I don't know. And I didn't think more about it. But then when the con was like, "I oh, fucking." Damn it! I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause, and cause also, it's... also, well, there's one more. How that guy found out that he was being conned and started chasing uh, Roy and whatever mm. the daughter in the 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 garage. It was like, how, how did he figure that out? Like three minutes after they conned him. Like, yeah. Did he stop before customs to check the money or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was a little. It was a little. I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't piece it together then, but when the the con happened, I was like, oh, okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, because it does feel sort of throughout the movie that Frank, Sam Rocco's character, has sort of the upper hand all the time. That mm. he's sort of he's sort of the caretaker, the sub, savant, idiot, the idiot savant. Yeah, he's kind of yeah, he's using Roy because Roy is very good yeah. at at the cons. Yeah, and it should have been throughout the movie, movie the other way around that mm. we could see Roy sort of taking care of Frank and making Frank doing things and and being the mastermind. Yeah, uh, and then at the end we'll see, oh no, he wasn't the mastermind; it was actually Frank all along, uh, something like that. Yeah, Just, yeah. Uh, but I I would uh, regarding the the thing of. Uh, uh, the guy being shot and oh he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this movie is would be uh, interesting to have a rewatch of. Now that you know, because try I to think see if there are more of, hints. Yeah, know. I think there's a lot of more details because just the point of, because um, if you, if you maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but I don't think I am. <laughs> um, the that the um, Angela finds the the gun mm-hmm. early on. Yeah. Uh, and sort of makes a point to mention to Roy, I know where the gun is. Yeah. And then uh, at the uh, the climax climax of the the, the con, the big con, the, the con of Roy. Yeah. Uh, that she goes to get the gun, and she is the one who shoots him, so that Roy wouldn't do it and actually kill the guy. Cause yeah, exactly. They are all in on it. Yeah, and, and it's, it just, it's loaded with blanks or something. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and a lot of those things, and I think there's a lot of those details where it's setting up things that we as the audience don't realize because we don't know the the twist. Yeah, and of course, I think, you know, Frank saying that, oh, he wants to meet us today. Oh, I thought it was tomorrow. Yeah, but he wants to mm. do it now. And so that then they have to involve the daughter in the con, and he he signs honor uh, hon her on mm. as um as like a co 
person on that vault thing at the bank. Very, very, yeah. very conveniently, like the day before they con him, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it's not none of these things, none of these setups you realize or think is weird at all. No, well, um, yeah, yeah, like I said, those two that I thought it was like eh, something is off, but yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't pick but, it up at all. But no. I mean, the uh, the preparation before. That, oh no, like, no, no, yeah, him, she co-signing the 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 thing. You don't think that's a weird? Thing. No, because they they're, they're that... bonding, so you know. Yeah, and, he, and, and he's, I, I like she she should have the money if anything ever happens to him, you know. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's interesting. It would be interesting to rewatch the movie. I haven't done it, but I probably will just to see oh, yeah, sure. how many of these things, how much setup and how much attention to detail this movie has, because I can I imagine a lot. Yeah, yeah. What I what I did think was when when she got involved in the big con, I, I thought like oh this is gonna go something's gonna go wrong. And uh, like they're gonna have to go on the run, and eventually um, uh, Roy is gonna have to like sacrifice himself or whatever for his daughter, and then she kind of takes over the business, so to speak. You know, it's like that's cliche, but you know, like, like eh, it could be, it could be a good ending, you know. But then mm. now they just they just screwed him over. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, I think the only thing, because I usually don't, I know you do that a lot more than me, sort of. Uh, Unvoluntarily guess the ending and guessing what happens. Yeah, I, I try to avoid it, but yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, we talked about a lot of that in this podcast. There's a lot of movies where you're like, yeah, then I realized what's happening, and I was oh, like, I, sure, was, yeah, I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't even thinking of sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm because I usually don't try to think further than what I'm seeing in the movie, uh, because I don't really find find it fun to figure it out no sure uh, um but i think that was the that was the only thing in this movie that i actually sort of figured out because it was so standard <laughs> yeah uh, when, when they were um out having this great day roy and angela yeah. and then they're coming home at night and they and i was like they are having such a good time. Some, something's gonna go wait, wrong. He is wait. I said he is waiting at Roy's. He is because <laughs> they are having too much of a good time. Yeah, and it's it's that time in the movie. It's the second act low point. It's like here it comes. Yes, mm. he's got a gun and everything. And then, and then yeah. oh oh okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so overall, uh, forgettable movie, but. Yeah. Because it's very understated, but that is the point, and it's very, uh, very much attention to detail, but not very much attention to making it fun. No, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> at the end of the day, you're like, what am I? What, what was I supposed to get out of this? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's it's sort of if 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 put like that, it's sort of like a game with the greatest story on earth, but. Terrible, terrible, unfun, repetitive gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sort of. That's the best example I can think of. Uh, where if you can just look past the boring stuff, it is a lot of good stuff. In it. Yeah, because that, that's that's what I wrote. I'm I'm just looking at my letterboxed review. That's mm. kind of what I said. Like, because I I say yeah, great performance by Nicolas Cage. Um, he elevates a pretty meandering movie that doesn't seem to go anywhere until everything happens all at once. Um, yeah. And that there are elements that can be improved, and it says, "I know it sounds like I hate this movie, but I actually don't." Yeah, because there there are good parts, and like I said, the first two acts are great. The the build up of their relationship is great, 
you know, it's a bit meandering, but she's like, you're like, yeah, something's gonna happen, and then something does, but it's very unsatisfactory. It's a big uh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, reviews. Uh, so I, it seems like people like the book more than the movie. Yeah. Not surprisingly, nah, yeah, yeah, exactly. um, it's like 99% of it. <laughs> Yeah, but it seems like it's a lot more... Like, the book seems to have a lot of, like, four and fives. Okay. Uh, out of five. Yeah. <laughs> While the movie sort of is around a seven. Seven-ish, seven-six-ish. Yeah. Yeah, it, ha- it has um, a meta score of 61, so... Yeah. Um. So, uh, have you had familiar reviews from the, from the time? Because this is... It's quite recent, but not that recent. Um... From what it seems like, the yeah, most of the reviews on Metacritic are are uh, from that time, uh, and it's it's got a yeah, like I said, a sixty one based on thirty eight reviews, and it's got a few a few good a few good reviews. Um, really, only well, two two negative reviews, and they gave it uh, uh, where is it? Both gave them a three out of ten. So and I yeah, they have they have. Basically the same problems we had that it's you know the, the characters feels a little flimsy because we don't really get to know them very good or very well. Um, yeah. And even even the more pop uh, positive review says that it's not it's not really the plot so much as the characters that kind of save the movie because there isn't a lot of plot. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's one one ten out of ten actually. Goddamn Roger Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, always fuck? giving weird reviews. Yeah. Um, what does he say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Loman in particular is effective. Eh. Uh, I learned. I learned to my astonishment that she's twenty-four, but here she plays fifteen-year-old. Whatever that has to do with it. I did think about it. I knew who Alison Loman was, so I knew she was older than she was portraying. But it was something about her face. Like that's not a fifteen-year-old. Come on. She looked. I don't know. It was something. She looked older in, in the face, yeah. at least. Whatever. Um, I'm sort of blind to that because that's always in movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I I just I just think I just go into every character I don't know about that dad. They're probably thirty. <laughs> don't matter if they're playing an eight-year-old. <laughs> or an 18 year old that's probably 30 it's... oh I'm thinking of Knights of Terror when they had like a 40 year old playing an 8 year old but he's short and he's had stunted growth so it, it works perfect perfect. Yeah. perfect um yeah he just talks mostly talks about her um she, she plays a 15 year old with all the tentative love and sudden vulnerability that role requires yeah, she was acting she, literally the character was acting uh, when your dad is a wacko confidence man. Ah, whatever. Uh, another one, it was pretty good. Uh, the di- from uh, Real Views gave it an 88 out of 100. The dialogue, especially that between Roy and Frank, crackles with wit and intelligence. A rarity in films these days. Eh, I mean, the dialogue was good, but it wasn't like, oh my god. Um. I don't know. I, I, I think it lands firmly like on the right side of the middle, I would say. That is, it's it's yeah. pretty good, but it's not nothing special at all, <laughs> which is uh, kind of interesting because, like we both said, Nicolas Cage is great in it. He um yeah. he he really you know embodies the character without doing you know some of the more some of the more Western kabuki stuff that he likes to do. There's not a lot of yelling other than the whole, how would you like to be dragged up to the sidewalk and beaten until you piss 
blood! That's the only one. And it kind of like, what? But it's funny that it's there. But other than that, he's very reserved and instead like channels that, you know, the performance of it into the ticks, you know, and the, the, the OCD of the character. And it was very, very well uh, acted, I, I, I would say. Well, uh, I just, just because he gave a 10 out of 10, <laughs> uh, I, I just looked up what, the 2002, uh, the, the, what movies came out in 2002, yeah. see if maybe it was a, a lot of bad movies. <sighs> God damn, there's a lot of good movies 2002. Oh, yeah? I'm, yeah, it's like... Off the top of my head, I can only say Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's uh, so from all genres, obviously, but The Hours, The Pianist, hmm? Gangs of New York, hmm? 28 Days Later... Uh, Lord Rings, Two Towers, uh, One Hour Photo, The Ring. Um, I mean, there's there was a lot of good Bowling for Columbine, Punch Drunk Love, which we did in our previous podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Science, oh. Insomnia, which we also have reviewed. Uh, we have. No wait, yeah, no, it's ins- Insomnia. No, uh, isn't it the one? Yeah. Insomnia with Al Pacino and Robbie Williams. We did that one? No, no, we didn't do that one. Never mind. I, I. We've only done Adam Sandler uh, and Nicolas Cage. Yeah. No, I was thinking. No, before that, I was thinking when we did back. In oh, the day, way back in the day. Movies. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah when we we were ranking yeah. all the Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Catch me if you can. This is yeah, um, a bunch of great movies. <laughs> yeah, se- Secretary. Uh, which I think it's a great. Yeah, movie. I like it too. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of good yeah, movies judging... that year. So I don't think this would have been a ten out of ten that year. Uh, no, that's not the reason I mean, for it. It's not the worst out of the ones you uh, mentioned, but it's certainly not the best. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> it's it's very in the middle. Yeah, uh, as you said, just just a little above middle. Um, yeah. So I I just I read one review which I think was a very interesting just. Uh, based on on our podcast, yeah. Um, so the review is called. It's a seven out of ten, and it's called "Welcome Back, Nick." Oh, uh, yeah. when was it? When was so, it written? Uh, two thousand five. Okay, so yeah, it's sort of around yeah. there. Uh, so first he talks a lot uh, about Ridley Scott, uh, yada yada yada, and then uh, con artist movies have been swarming the theaters lately. Yeah, but Matchstick Men is far more intelligent and more surprising. Not to mention well acted, written and directed, than supercast film heists, uh, uh, f- films heists and the score. Uh, and here's the, the the interesting part of the review: Nicolas Cage, after several years of B action movies, <laughs> in parentheses, Gone in sixty seconds, Eight Millimeter, The Rock, Face Off. Okay. Makes a welcome return to what he does best: disturbed, neurotic, sensitive individuals. A comeback that got got off to a good start on the schizophrenic adaptation, and delivers an Oscar nomination-worthy performance as Connor is Roy Waller. Roy discovers a long-lost daughter, uh, played brilliantly by Alison Lohman, also Oscar material. The relationship between the two is well-crafted and story wonderful written. Sam Rockwell also make a fine contribution. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I I just think it was interesting to see. In 2005, people were like, ah, oh, he's, he's coming back. It's yeah, like, really? well, at least that guy yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he hasn't... He, from, from our 2022 
perspective, he hasn't fallen. Oh yet. yeah, I would love to. Uh, that that guy, that IMDb years, I would love to see his reviews ten years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Mr. Uh, Cage, what happened? <laughs> but it, you, but know, yeah, so, you know what? Uh, it makes sense though because um, his movies in the eighties and nineties were much more like this. Oh, and yeah, then definitely. he had his, you know, we're in that. This is what we're calling this this uh, this season of the the podcast, Mister Hollywood, because this was, you know, when he was doing all those big action movies. But before that, he did very varied uh, work in all different kind of genres. I mean, except maybe yeah. action, you know. Yeah, if you like the 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 Nicolas Cage in uh, first season of our podcast, yeah, where where uh, leaving Las Vegas. Uh, Trapped in Paradise, Red Rock West, yeah, uh, all of those movies. This is Wild at this Heart. is a lot more like like those movies. Yes, if if that's your favorite version of Nicolas Cage, this is very much returning to form uh, after a few years of quote unquote B action <laughs> flicks. Yeah, and I <laughs> like Face and Off. Like, <laughs> I I I agree that and like, I prefer that Nicolas Cage definitely over the action. Even though I I enjoy most of his action movies, I think it's more fun when he gets to play slightly quirkier characters like this or, or Red Rock West. Or, you know. Yeah. Now when we sort of have gone past the the, the action years, the well the the good action years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, Again, yeah, I really more prefer him this, this the character-driven uh, Nicolas Cage more than the action action here. Oh yeah, Nicolas definitely. Cage. Because because it's for some reason all his action movies up to this point has been very well in comparison very uncom uh, uninteresting, not complex in any way. No, but that, that's um, you know that's. That's action for the most part. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, and and I I think that's that's a disservice to his to him. Yes, to, it, to be to be a simple character. <laughs> yeah, he works. He works better when he has you know more to work with than just jumping around and shooting. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he pulls off action, but he's better in these kind of movies. One hundred percent. And I'm I'm looking forward to the, the future movies we have. Uh, going on next week, it is National Treasure, which is sort of an action movie or adventure movie. Yeah. But um, and, and the, I, I'm I'm not really looking forward to that one so much. I I mean, it's a good movie, but it's not a good Nicolas Cage movie. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I I, I, I haven't seen it since 2003. I saw it in the theaters. I haven't seen it since. I've seen it a few times. It's one of those movies that I've gone back to a few times. Uh. But yeah, um, that's not this episode. No, yeah, no, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I don't think I have much more to say uh, no. about this movie. It's Nicolas Cage is great. If you if you like Nicolas Cage acting, go watch this immediately. Oh yes, yes, uh, yes. This is this is, is up there with Leaving Las Vegas and uh, like uh, Wild at Heart. You know, he's great in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, uh, what are you going to give it? <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to take over the, the ending. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give it a six, 6 out of 10. Solid 6 out of 10, you know. It's uh, yeah. it's nothing spectacular, but it's it's at least enjoyable. I'm also going to give it a 6. It is a close, close to 7, but not, not really there. If they just put in 
some resolution uh, or or uh, something with with Frank at the end. Yeah, it would have been a seven. G- yeah, uh, just to g- get give something. give Frank a few more layers because he's kind of one dimensional here. Yeah, I was just meaning just if they put just put in the that the. the the scene I said where, where he, he oh, reads in yeah, the newspaper yeah, sure. Frank got caught yeah. just something like that that would have been a something. oh yeah 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 definitely um, but it wouldn't have saved the movie because a lot of the movie needs uh, maybe a half an hour more um, yeah but this, that's weird because it's still almost two hours long so yeah. it, it feels like what are they actually filling the movie up with what is going on here <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's uh, well, it's a short episode today. Well, um, we're almost we're almost at an hour, you know, uh, with the intro and everything. It'll be about an hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, so so uh, it's it's always hard when the movies are like in the middle, you know, because it's like yeah, yeah, it's good, but okay, uh, gotta uh, find something to say here. I don't know. <laughs> but like we said, if if anything, watch it for Nicolas Cage's performance. Definitely, yeah. he is as always great. But this is this one step above just being great. He's really good in this. Yeah, it's it's not a waste of time. No, no, think. not at all, not at all. Uh, yeah. So next week, National Treasure. Yes. Um, Magic Man was the only movie he made in two thousand three. Oh, okay. Uh, and in uh, uh, two thousand four, he also only made one movie, which was National Treasure. Treasure. Oh, okay, I thought it was both two thousand three. Uh, no. Uh, and so yeah, so he's he's calmed down a little bit, just only making one movie a year now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only one a year. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. Um, as stated, uh, it's it's an interesting movie, but it's not a good Nicolas Cage movie, as I remember. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it because I remember watching it back in 2004, uh, thinking this is a great great adventure movie. Yeah, mm. but we'll see. And so, yeah. if you want to follow along in the next week's episode, uh, check out uh, National Treasure. I'm sure it's on Disney Plus because it's a Disney movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, and also, if you want to listen to all these episodes in advance and get exclusive episodes to my other podcast, The SpoilerCast, and commentary tracks and a bunch of stuff, check us out on patreon.com slash don'tmakeascene. For just three bucks a month, you will get all those extra perks, and you'll help us uh, stay afloat as an independent podcast. Um, so check that out. Other, if you, if you don't want to do that, uh, just follow us on uh, whatever platform you're listening to um, or watching us on YouTube. And tell your friends, you know, if you think it's a good podcast, tell your friends. But uh, we'll see you next week. And until then, have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone. Madness in the Method is part of Please Don't Make a Scene. It is hosted by Tobias Vedean and Christopher Billian. It is produced and directed by Tobias Vedean. After a concept by Christopher Billian. Executive producer is Annika Vedean. A huge thank you to all our supporters over on patreon.com slash don't make a scene. Laura Kinney, mom and dad. <laughs>